Good morning. Anybody enjoying the snow out there? Anybody enjoying the snow? All right. That's about one third of you. That's pretty good. The one third of us will enjoy it then. Um, looking forward today because we continue the story about Jesus Christ and addressing how he came and he changed everything. He went against the grain. And I hope that you're ready to receive the truths of his word today. And Jesus was, took time to write and spend time with people, I should say, spend time with people that other people want to write off. And all through the New Testament, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that he constantly spent time with people that other people say, well, I, I, I don't want to spend time with them. You know, I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and uh, they're lost cause. And today we're going to address a person who Jesus saw as undesirable, or most people saw as undesirable, but Jesus saw as desirable. We're going to see a person that a lot of people place zero value in, and Jesus put value into him. And we're going to see a person that, whose life was radically changed because of an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus often took time for the underprivileged, the overlooked, and the undesirables. He reversed the order of things over and over, all through Scripture. That's how he would walk into a scene and he would say, well, you're the least of these. Um, you're, you're going to become a more important person. He also showed us that the last will become first. And there's this flipping of structures, this flipping of identity, and this purpose in people's lives all through Scripture. He constantly gave people the potential or showed them potential that they could achieve by just acknowledging them, loving them, and giving them a love touch. I wonder if we have done that with people that we encounter. Have we pushed people away and said, you know what, you're hopeless I've tried and I've tried, I'm giving up. Or you see someone over here who's riddled in an addiction, someone who's riddled in sin, or someone who just plain has no interest at all, and you've prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and you say, you know what, I've given up. Jesus has ways of taking those kind of people, which I'm grateful for personally, and taking those kind of stories and turn them into something and reversing the outcome altogether. Our info line here at Grace, we send out to people who attend Grace, who have been put on our uh, a member identity form or just an attendee ID D form that you fill out and you get a daily uh, email from Grace every day. And it's called Today at Grace. And often in this Today at Grace, a needle surface from the community, not from within the body that says, hey, I need help with the NIPSCO bill or I need help to purchase this or I need a, 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 someone to drive me to this doctor's appointment or this is what's happening. And so a variety of things, we get bombarded, you get bombarded with daily with some really cool needs that this community has and helps us to help them out. And so when you see those, those needs surface from the community. Not long ago, there was a need that went through our info line. Uh, and it was a, a lady who was a single mom and she had children and she was going in for surgery. And so she passed that information on a, a lady who attended Grace. And so this, this need was put out there. This lady was going in for surgery. And while she was going in for surgery, she didn't have anyone to babysit her kids. So she was in a hopeless situation. So she says, hey, I'll put it on this email line and I'll send it out through Grace, the church that I go to, and we'll see what happens. If people respond, you'll know, give us your phone number. Well, yesterday after the Blitz, I was out with my family and we were handing out wrapping paper at Goodwill in Dunlap and uh, Grandma's restaurant in Dunlap uh, with the Wagners. And it was fun doing that. And while we were there, um, we handed out the, the, the wrapping paper and left there and went to IHOP for a, a brunch afterwards. It was fun. We went in. We all had our blue crew sweatshirts on. Hannah and, and Isaiah and Ann and I were seated at this table. So we're, we got a corner booth and we sat down and this lady who was a, our waitress came up to us. And before I said anything, I always try to engage and Ann tries to engage and my family tries to engage. She says, I love your church. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I realized we all had blue on so she knew what church it was. And, and she went on to tell this story, which was phenomenal. She said this. She said, not long ago, she, says, I, she, she said, I was uh, sick. I had to go in the hospital and have surgery. And she said, I had no one to watch my kids. And there's a friend of mine who attends Grace, put my name on an email list that's at this church. By the way, I never told her that I was the pastor, nor did I even through this whole conversation, even afterwards. And so she didn't matter at that point, just didn't matter. And so she was telling this story of, of how she needed to go to the hospital and she needed babysitters and her friend says, hey, I'll put an info line and maybe someone will call you. Well, something pretty cool happened out of this. Four people, individuals and family units called her up 
And while she went in for surgery, these four individual family units um, worked with her around the clock and babysat her kids until she got released from the hospital. And so she was just blown away that there was a church. That's why she said, I love your church. And I said, that's, and I, I, I love hearing that about our church. And I said, that's great. And she said, I, I, I was so blessed by, by your church, the church that you go to. Uh, they cared for me in a time of need. She said, but it didn't end there. She said, I was here working uh, at IHOP and, and I lost time because I was in the hospital and I needed income because of the lost time. And she said, there was someone else that goes to the church that you go to. She said, they came in and they ordered, they were senior, 50 or over, 55 or over, she said. And they had, they ordered um, coffee and a breakfast for $4.99. And she said, they got word of somehow of what I went through and she must have communicated with them. She said, anyhow, some from the church that you go to, they, they heard about my needs. She said, it was a $4.99 bill. And she said, when I went to get, collect the bill, they left a $100 tip uh, for me. That was just awesome. Just awesome to hear that. Yeah, praise God for that. And as she unfolded this story, I was just blown away. And, I, and, and the reason, I was just giving God the credit. I said, I mean, that's just great. Praise God for that. Ann was too. And, and, and it didn't, didn't matter if she knew I was the pastor, because that doesn't even matter. It, the credit goes to God. And it was really cool to see her. Here's a lady who has, she says, I've never been to the church that you go to, but the seeds of love and kindness have planted in her heart. And there is no doubt in my mind, after conversation with other people and conversation, hopefully with us, that there will come a day when she, she finds Jesus Christ as a result of that. All that to say this, here's a person that somehow was on the fringes and someone saw a need and didn't just push them away like it's so easy for us to do, met the need, and now here's a lady that's receptive at least to walking in our doors. I can't wait to the day when she comes to receive Christ. And I can't wait to the day that she walks in and, and recognizes us or recognizes me somehow and say, this is our church. We, we, we tend a church that cares about people who are on the fringes, even if we don't know them. Great story of how, how you can reach out. Jesus often reached people who were on the fringes and he placed value in the unvaluable. Nothing moves me more personally and, and, and brings me more joy in my life is when I see a life that's been transformed and radically changed by Jesus when someone gives their life to Christ. I was thinking this week and, and we have a person just recently here at Grace. We've had a lot of people, but I've been engaging with this person. His name is, is Michael and he Received Christ as his savior about six weeks ago. If you spend any time with him, he comes to the third service. His first Sunday here, he responded. Chuck Hite had invited him. He came and Chuck says, hey man, his, you need to come. You, you, you want to get your life in order. Anyhow, he prayed to receive Christ. It started out, it was just him and, and it was his wife. Now, if you come in the third service, they fill up a whole aisle. He's been reaching his, his siblings, his friends, his, his, and he's, this whole group is growing because one man came to Christ and they see a transformed life. I love when that begins to happen because Jesus can radically change your life. Would you agree, those of you who understand that? Jesus can radically change your life. Jesus is about to do it for someone. I'm telling you that 0% of people in this community showed him any attention. They'd given up on him. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter five. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. I want you to follow along and read with me, actually. Turn to Mark chapter five, and we're gonna look at verses one through six. I want you to stand when you, when you found that, and we're gonna read it together. Mark chapter five. And uh, verses one through six, it's a story of a person who's on the fringes, who is undesirable and people have given up on him. And we're going to watch Jesus encounter him in a unique, fascinating way and go against the grain and say, hey, I can help you. Let's read Mark chapter five, verses one through six. Ready, read. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. You may have a seat. Obviously, we have a scenario here where Jesus meets someone who is demon-possessed. 
His name is the demonic man of the Gerasenes. Now picture, picture this man before he met Jesus. We find in this text that he was naked. And Luke chapter 8 and verse 27 is the same narrative and it gives us a better description. He was naked. He was cutting himself. He was dripping with blood. There were scars on his body where he broke the chains. And and he was probably frothing at the mouth because he was demon-possessed with over 2,000 demons potentially in his body. And no one was able to subdue him. They tried and finally they'd given up. And so he lived in the tombs and he ran back and forth. And so people passed, don't go near that section. There's a naked man that runs around that's bleeding, that's chained up. He's, he's the original cutter. He, there's no value to him. Stay away from that city. Stay away from that man. He was a beachhead for Satan. And his life was hopeless. He was in the rocks and he hid in the caves and he played has spent him the majority of his time running from tomb to tomb. And everyone feared getting near him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They said, that man is not worth anything. In fact, he's not worth anything and I will not spend any time with him. So he was known in that region as the, the demonic man of the garrisons. I wonder how many people in our lives, maybe to not to that extreme that we have just pushed off or we've written off. I wonder how many people we've given up on. And we say, well, I prayed for him. I've been praying for him for 30 years and they're still not open to the gospel. They're still not open to Jesus. I've been praying for that addiction and all they do is continue to cycle and cycle. I'm just tired of going through it. I've been praying about that sin pattern in their life. I've been praying that they would come back to Christ and it just won't. I've been praying and I've just given up. And we get to a point, some of us, where we're just worn out and we just give up. And Jesus is going to show us that there was a person just like that, even worse maybe than what you've ever experienced. And he walks and invades into this person's life and he reverses the order and everything changes with this person. Here's the reality. This person at one time was very intelligent, most likely. And most likely was a mama's boy and went to school and and was known in the community. But demons invaded his body. I don't know, maybe he got involved in Wicca. Maybe he got involved in astrology. By the way, stay away from astrology. Don't go and dabble in astrology and see what your sign is. That is of Satan, it's not of God. And you toil on that stuff, you're opening yourself up to demonic presence. Just a word of caution and a word of wisdom. And so this man somehow at some point opened up. And obviously he didn't know Christ because it says he was possessed with demons. And so he was a beachhead, a home for 2,000 demons. And so when he spoke, it wasn't his voice. It was a voice of a demon speaking through him. Yet God wants to save the city where this man is at. He wants God to be, he wants to be the God of the city. And he will begin by reaching the very least candidate that can actually save the city. He could have blown him off. Jesus could have blown him off here. He could have went if he really wanted to save the city. Let's go to the mayor. Let's go to someone who can speak English, not a demonic voice. Let's go to someone who has their mind all together. But God is about to change the city with a man who was demon-possessed prior to meeting Jesus, the very least candidate of all. The person that no one believed in. Everybody, even including this demonic man, needs love. Every single person on this earth. People are longing for love. The interesting thing about this guy is that all we know is he was the demonic man. But what we do know, there came a point where demons invaded his life. Now demons are destroying his divine likeness to the point where he's cutting himself, where he's running naked throughout this this town and, and and people stay away from him. I wonder if anyone really gave a rip about him. I suspect not. The demons were speaking for him. You might say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor Jim? Demons are real spirit beings. And there are demons in this world. There's angelic beings who are messenger, mess, uh, ministering spirits for Jesus. And then there's demons who are the agents of Satan. And they were kicked out of heaven. And so day in and day out, they, they try to wreak havoc on your life and other lives. And so they want to get to people and they want to invade their souls before the gospel gets to them. And if you've ever been in places and, or have ever seen a person who's been demon-possessed or demon-oppressed, it's not a pretty sight. I've personally seen people who have been demon-possessed. I've encountered people in my face that have been demon-possessed. I've heard them speak other voices. And I've actually rebuked it in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I've witnessed it firsthand on, on numerous occasions. People telling me, I've had, had a person speak to me one time, wasn't even their voice speaking lies because demons don't speak truth. Why would demons speak truth about someone when the God that they serve, his native language is lies? So why in the world would a demon ever speak truth? I've had people accuse me saying, you don't love the people, you do this. And I heard this voice come out of this person that wasn't even their voice. And I just stood there in the power and authority of Jesus Christ and said, in Jesus' name, be gone. Because we have that kind of authority and that kind of power in Jesus' name. And so here was a demonic man who was on a deserted island all by himself, lonely. And whenever he had a clear thought, which probably were few and far between, he just wanted loved. And he wanted someone to reach out to him and to help him. And he was probably thinking about suicide the majority of his time. Have you ever felt so unloved that you felt like my best option is suicide? Have you ever felt so, so in love that you felt like your best option is just to pull away and to, to, to go through the bowels and the cycles of a self-induced depression because you thought no one loves you? I really believe that's how this man felt. I really believe that his body being riddled with demons, that inside he was screaming, let me out of my body because demons invade the soul. And they, they go into the immaterial part and, and, and they have the ability, if you don't know Christ, to invade your body and possess you. And so here was this man that Jesus is about to encounter that most had given up on. See, Jesus doesn't care what condition you're in. Hear me today. I don't care what condition you're in because my Savior will meet you where you're at. He doesn't care if you have a GED or don't have a GED. He's not bothered by the fact that you have an addiction in your past or you're presently in the toil and the armpits of an addiction. He can save you and transform you from that. He's not concerned if there's prison in your past or you've been incarcerated. Jesus doesn't, that doesn't matter, Jesus, because he came to save us and to wash us free of all that junk of our past and to start us fresh and give us a new start. And he can even... Even do it with a demon-possessed person when the power of God invades a man or woman. And so here is a man. His name wasn't Trump, and his name wasn't Rockefeller, and his name, last name wasn't Winfrey, but he was important to Jesus Christ. Every single person who walks on planet Earth is important to Jesus Christ. And this demon-possessed man was about to meet someone who would change his life forever. Someone that would not look at his external appearance, but someone who would look at him for the person he could become. And his only companions up to this point were dogs and pigs. Everyone else had excommunicated him. They treated him like an, like an animal, like a freak show. Jesus would take this freak show and rewrite the script. But just prior to this encounter, we have to read because we need to set the context for what, what Jesus was experiencing prior to meeting this demonic man. Look at Mark chapter 4, just prior to this encounter. Mark chapter four and verse 35. Look what it says here. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern doing what on a cushion? Sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's set the context here before this. Jesus was pulling away. He had been ministering most likely day after day after day. And so he's on this boat. People say, why was he sleeping? Because he was tired. And people were constantly wanting his time. And he spoke and he preached. And, and he continued. He had people pulling at his robe. And in this moment, the reason he's sleeping in this boat is because he's tired. And so He's lying asleep on this boat and he's tired because he just wants a little R&R. And so what he's thinking, I'll get on this boat, 
I'll pull away from these people. I'll give them my disciples. We'll go to the other side. And you know what I do? The next thing I see are clams and bass on an open fire in a hammock. That's what Jesus was most likely thinking. Yet the first thing he encounters is a demon-possessed man. And that the disciples also were amazed at his power. Now, this is early on in his ministry. In fact, they were terrified that somehow Jesus could stand up and say, all right, Lake Michigan, see that storm brewing? Stop right there, just stop. You're not coming to Goshen. Just stop. I mean, he had that belly. Imagine in, in the, the meteorologist trying to read the port of, 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 of that day of Jerusalem. Well, there was this storm brewing over the lake and it's just, it's a holding pattern. It's just staying right there. It was supposed to come, but all of a sudden it stopped. It's the same as it was today. It's like Jesus could walk in and tell the storm, hey, you're not coming here. Our kids need to go to school Monday morning, even if they don't want to. There it is. He has that kind of ability. And so they're like, whoa. I mean, imagine. All of a sudden, the snow just stopped, and you, you saw the radar, and it just stopped right there. There it was, right, right over Lake Michigan. It didn't go any farther. It's like everything, and it kept building up, and there it was. That's what Jesus was able to do. And so these disciples were like, we've never seen anything like this. Meanwhile, Jesus is tired. He wants some R&R. And yet his very first encounter is with the demon psycho boy when he gets out of the boat. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, he was confronted with this demonic man of garrisons. And probably for the very first time in his life, this demonic man saw kind eyes. He probably saw eyes for the first time because most people just ran and never got near him. And he probably saw love that he had never seen before. And these demons knew they were in trouble because Jesus walked on the scene and he was going to shower this man with hope and with love. The disciples, meanwhile, all they saw was this gremlin running towards them. And hadn't they seen enough for the night? I mean, they're probably still reeling. They're probably talking, did Jesus do that? Did he just tell that storm to stop? Did you see that or was that, was that bad pizza? And so they were still thinking about that. And meanwhile, there's this demonic man that's on the scene. It's like, man, isn't that enough for two days back to back? Look what happens next. Mark chapter five. Go back to verse six again. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil what? Spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your what? So Jesus is speaking to this demon that's speaking the voice out of this man. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now let me pause here. In the Luke account, don't turn there, but in Luke chapter 8, it's the same account that's written by Luke the physician. And in verse 31, the demons beg Jesus, please don't throw us into the abyss. Because, see, demons know their destination, and they know who can tell them whether to go there and when it's going to happen. And so they're begging Jesus, please don't send us to hell. Please don't send us to hell. And Jesus, meanwhile, doesn't send them to hell. Look what he does. He says, a large, in verse, verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And the reason they wanted to go into the pigs is because they didn't want to be thrown into the abyss. Jesus has control over evil, even in this scenario, all the time. He gave them permission. In other words, okay, I'll let you go into the pigs. And the evil spirits came out, went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were what? Drowned. So we know after they were drowned that the demons left and they found other void areas to go into. Immaterial spaces. And verse 14 says this. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And so this report got out. And so they're running back and saying, hey, there's this man just got out of the boat. He was a little sleepy. He took the bug, the sand out of his eyes and he saw the demonic man. You know the demonic man that none of us talk to, we're afraid of? You know him? Well, Jesus spoke to him and then that demon voice came out. And he told the demons to get out. And these demons jumped on these pigs and these pigs ran out of there and they all went flying off the cliff. That's all I know. But man, was it something? 
I mean, imagine this story. 2,000 pigs jumping off a cliff. And so they reported this. That caused some commotion in garrisons, which for most part, up to this time, there wasn't much commotion because history tells us that this area was dark. It was unchurched, pagan center where Satan had control over. And he was the little G God of that city for a while. But when Jesus walked on the scene, he was going to get the very most least likely candidate and reach him and have him take the news to that city. So anyhow, the demons beg him. Jesus spoke. Let me just say this again. Demons are real. And some of us don't acknowledge that enough. And sometimes when we, we have this illness in our family or we have this, this, this event, this tragedy that takes place or something happens to us, our first default system based upon your worldview is to try to fix it physically. My worldview tells me that there's evil spirits, there's evil principalities, there's evil forces in our world that were thrown out when Satan was thrown out of heaven and they're real and they want to divide and conquer and they will enter any area and they'll try to cause disunity, they'll try to cause tension, they'll try to divide, conquer and steal and they are real. And so when something breaks down in my life or something breaks down in this church's life, I pray about it because that is our greatest weapon is to engage the power of God and his ministering spirits to defeat the enemy. I don't try to fix it physically. I pray about it. I also pray over anything that I purchase. I get something secondhand. I buy something in the store. I purchase a car. I buy clothing, anything I purchase before I bring it into my house. I pray over it because I don't know what that was used for. I don't know if someone was involved in Wicca or someone was a Satanist and they cast a spell on it. I just pray over it before I bring it into my house because I will not let that invade my home. You could do the same thing with the power of Jesus Christ too. And yet some of us walk through this world as if there's not evil force, as if there's not demons and demons are everywhere and they will kick your butt if you don't walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. You need to listen to me on this. We have that kind of power to walk in that power. Like I said, I have been assaulted. The minute I became a pastor, the minute I felt that call in my life, it's unbelievable. You would, I can tell, I can take you back when I what, didn't have the call in my life as a pastor. And the minute I had the call in the life of my pastor, you can talk to my wife, by the way. It was unbelievable. It's like this big bullseye came on the Browns back and on the Browns household. Unbelievable assault from the enemy. Let me just say this too. For those of you who are involved in ministry positions here at Grace, for those of you who just recently got elected as a deacon, just recently got elected as an elder who recently are serving in ministry positions here at Grace. Don't be surprised if all hell wants to break loose in your home. Don't be surprised if there's tension in your marriage. Don't be surprised if there's sickness. Don't be surprised if there's tragedy. Don't be surprised if there's disunity. Let me tell you, when you step out and try to advance the kingdom of God and you get on the front lines, bullseye, baby, on your life. But let me give you encouragement here. You can defeat the enemy in the, by, by walking in the power of Jesus Christ, but you must walk in that power. So don't be surprised now that you're elected and you're official, that you're drained. And it's like, well, I could never do that job or I can't do that. It takes too much time. You know where those thoughts come from? They come from the enemy who says, you don't have time. You don't have power. You don't have authority. Listen to me. The minute you step in the front lines for Jesus Christ, there will be an all-out assault on your family. And so that's why we pray. And that's why each morning, every single morning of my life, I am as disciplined as anyone could be. I pray and I put on the spiritual armor of Jesus Christ and walk in his power and authority because we have that kind of authority. This man was riddled with demons. Now, the God of the universe is encountering him. I want to show you how valuable he was, too. Think about this. God staged a storm to push this boat off course, to move this boat in such a way so that it landed on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee to minister and deliver one man. After it was all said and done, it's amazing when you think about it. Why would God care so much about one person that he allowed this storm to come, push this boat in the opposite direction? He did it because one person is valuable to God, even a person that everyone else had given up on. 
and he wants to deliver him. If God can calm a raging sea, surely he can calm a tormented soul riddled with demons. He changed the weather to reach a nobody. He went out of his way to show one naked, bloody, hopeless individual that he loved him. Friends, he'll do the same for you too. He can cause an info line to run through Grace Community Church. And in doing so, four individual families reach out and show a single mom that God loves her. And to show a man to be led to give a $100 tip to help supply her income. God is so good at doing things that gains people's attention. God does all kinds of things to gain our attention. One of my favorite accounts is this account, and it's worth reading again. It's a story that Tony Campolo tells about how God intervened and wanted this man to get saved. Listen to this story. It was in one of Tony's early books. Tony Campolo says this. He said, when it comes to being led by the Spirit, sometimes there's a lot of fun to be had. Several years ago, I was invited to speak at a small Pentecostal college near Eastern College, where I teach. I love going to this little school because the people there seem to be so much in touch with the power of the Holy Spirit. Before the chapel service, several of the faculty members took me into a side room to pray with me. I got down on my knees and the six of them put their hands on my head and prayed for me, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me up and to use me effectively as I spoke to the students. Pentecostals seem to pray longer and with much more dynamism than we as Baptists do, Tony said. These men prayed long, and the longer they prayed, the more harder they leaned on my head. They prayed on and on, leaned harder and harder. One of them said, do you feel the spirit? Do you feel the spirit? To tell the truth, I felt something right at the base of my neck, but I wasn't sure it was the spirit. One of the faculty members prayed at length about a particular man named Charlie Stolfus. And that kind of ticked me off. And I thought to myself, if you're going to lean on my head, the least you can do is pray for me. He prayed on and on for this guy who was about to abandon his wife and three children. I can still hear him calling out, Lord, Lord, don't let this man leave his wife and children. Send an angel to bring that man back to his family. Don't let that family be destroyed. You know who I'm talking about, Charlie Stolfus. He lives down the road about half a mile on the right-hand side in a silver house trailer. I thought to myself with some degree of exasperation, God knows where he lives. Why do you th- what, what do you think God's doing? Sitting up there in heaven saying, hey, give me that address again. Following the chapel talk, I got in my car and headed home. I was getting on the Pennsylvania turnpike when I saw a young man hitchhiking on the side of the road. I picked him up. I know you're not supposed to, but I'm a Baptist preacher, and whenever I get someone locked in where I can preach them, I do. As we pulled back onto the highway, I introduced myself, and I said, hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's your name? He said, my name is Charlie Stolfus. I didn't say a word. I drove down the turnpike, got off at the next exit, and turned around and headed back. When I did that he looked at me and said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? I said, I'm taking you home. He said, why? And I said, because you just left your wife and three children, right? (laughs) He said, right, right. He leaned against the passenger the rest of the way, staring at me. I drove off the turnpike on the side road, straight to the Silver House trailer. When I pulled into the drive, he looked at me with astonishment and said, How did you know I lived here? I said, God told me. (laughs) Well, I believe that God did tell me. I think that God may set things up like that just for fun. I mean, if you're God, you're probably having a pretty sad time of it, looking down on all the things that are going on in the world. I can just imagine God nudging Peter and saying, hey, Pete, watch this. I told Charlie, you get in that house trailer because I want to talk to you and your wife. He ran into that mobile home ahead of me. (laughs) I don't know what he said to his wife, but when I got in the house trailer, her eyes were as wide as saucers. I sat them down and said, I'm going to talk to you and you're going to listen. Man, did they listen, Tony said. And during the next hour, I led both of them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Our God is able 
to cause a storm to move a boat that has Jesus on it and to place it into a, a city on a shore where a demonic man needs touch because no one will reach him. Our God can send a note through the info line at Grace Community Church to reach a lady by the name of Dana who works at IHOP restaurant because she needs rescue and needs hope. Our God can cause a man to leave a $100 tip so that this woman's income can be supplemented because when she was off. And our God can do the same for you. And we're finding that out in this case today with this demonic man. So there he is. Jesus is there. The demons have, have, have invaded the pigs. And God is working a miracle. You see, he can reverse the outcome. Because Jesus not only loves you, but he won't leave you the way he found you. Look at the condition of this man afterwards. Now, take a look at this. Remember, he was naked. He was cutting. He was bleeding. He had chains that he had broken. He was hopeless. His hair was probably matted. He was frothing at the mouth. And now in verse 16 of chapter five, look what happens after he encounters Jesus. Verse 16. Those who had, we'll go back to 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of what? What's it say? Demons sitting there. What was he? He was dressed and in the right mind, and they were what? Afraid. You bet they were. Think about it. This was demon psycho boy. And now he's dressed. He's got his iPod out, his computer, and he's taking Jerusalem Bible courses on his laptop. I mean, think about it. This is quite a turnaround. It's like, no way, dude. You're that guy? Yeah. Now picture for a second what it must have been like for him, too. I mean, this guy hadn't worn clothes, so he didn't go to his wardrobe and pull out some clothes. He had to go to the nearest coals in Jerusalem as a naked person. Can you imagine going to the men's department? Hey, dude, you're naked. Get out of here. You're supposed to be wearing clothes. Oh, I ain't got any clothes. Well, here are some clothes. And he went to the cash register and bought some new duds, and he walked out. I mean, this caused a stir in this town. Naked boy, now taking classes, Bible classes. And there he is dressed and in a sound and right mind. Our God is awesome, church. He has the ability to intercede and transform even demon-possessed people. I love that about our God. Imagine what he can do for you. But can you imagine the disciples at this point? I mean, they're still like, dude, he stopped the storm. Dude, did you see that? Man, now, now there's, there's psycho boy. He's thinking Bible 101. They're like, this is too much. I mean, even they were blown away. Now look at the people of the city. Now these were the people who had turned against him. What was their response to all this? Well, well, let's take a look. Verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Verse 16, and told about the pigs as well. You bet they did. They had never seen pigs just say, hey, let's just skydive here off of this cliff. Woo! Can you imagine a pig? <laughs> it had to be a sight. 2,000 of them at one time. Come on. When's the last time you've seen that? <laughs> I mean, that was a story to tell, wasn't it? And it says this next. When the people began to plead with Jesus, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. It's like, what? Leave? You hadn't had anything like this for years. And the reason they wanted him to leave is because they were more concerned with their financial loss in the pigs than they were the transformation of one soul. See, that's part of the problem in our world today. We're so absorbed with our stuff that someone could brush through our life and walk through our life and we say, oh, I don't have time for him. Uh, someone else will take care of it. And the person that's supposed to take care of it is probably you. And you get that little whisper from the spirit to say, you ought to help them out. Oh, yeah, and you say, oh, someone else get them. Oh, someone else get them. And meanwhile, no one else gets them. And God spoke to you to help them out. And so this man went for probably years like this. It would be different for us to picture this today. Now, picture today. Let's bring it to modern vernacular. Picture Jesus walking on the scene. There's this demon-possessed man in Goshen. And so this demon-possessed man, Jesus comes on and releases the demons. And he says, hey, go into 2,000 cars over at E.B. Ford. And so these cars drive away with demons in them. And they drive up the bypass and they all drive right over the bridge. Boom. I mean, it's no different. Wouldn't that gain your attention? 
just a little modern vernacular, just car after car piled up. And so stuff was happening like they had never seen before. And the people of the town says, get out of here because our cars are more important than this one man. I wonder how many lives would have went unchanged if Jesus did leave. And I wonder how many went unchanged. You see, Christ cares so much about one person that he'll do all what I just talked about to see them hear the gospel. You know what? Maybe in this room today, maybe you're here because your cute little niece or your cute little nephew or your grandson or your granddaughter said that they were singing and they knew that was the best chance to get you here at church today. Let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. And the same God that did that for the demonic man loves you as much as he loved that demonic man. And he wants you to know that today. Maybe today you came in here because you couldn't get somewhere else and you just said, man, I just feel like God wants me to come into this church or the traffic. You couldn't get out of the traffic lines. Well, I might as well just go here. <laughs> and here you are. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you. And he would cause a traffic jam to get you in here so that you could hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves, hear me today. And life could be so different if you had him. There's hope for the hopeless. Am I right for those who know Christ? Is there hope for the hopeless? Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This man begged to leave. I mean, he had never seen love. I mean, wouldn't you? Can I just, hey, I'll be the 13th disciple. I'll tell everybody. You know, I've never experienced love like this. I mean, why would you want to stay? Can you imagine this man? He had nothing there. No one loved him. This place was dark. Tradition tells us that it was unchurched. It was, un- it was pagan. There weren't any Christians there. There weren't any followers of the way. Wouldn't you want to go with Christ? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I want you to stay and go tell your family. He's saying, no, I want to go with you. He begs him, the text says. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you beg Jesus? Wouldn't you want to remove yourself of all these memories of your past and how people knew you? I mean, everyone in that community knew he was the demonic man of Gerasene who walked around naked. Can you imagine him the next day going for a job interview down in Jerusalem or Gerasene say, hey, uh, all right, what, what have you done in your past? Well, I'm the naked man used to run around. You got a job? I mean, think about it. What person in the right mind would, would, would not factor that in? So what did you do from it? Well, most of the time I just cut myself. And uh, a lot of the times I didn't wear clothes and, you know, I, I just, and, well, okay, where did you live at? Well, I lived in the tombs. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you want to leave this area? And Jesus said, no. You're so valuable to me. That's why I allowed this storm to happen and, That's why I sent the pigs into the cars and they went off the bypass. And that's why you need to remain here because the very least candidate that could possibly save this city is you. And he poured confidence into this man and this man began to do, tradition tells us. This tradition tells us that in garrisons, that after excavation, after this man Receive Christ as a savior. Tradition tells us that they've excavated this area and they've excavated two churches, two Christian churches that have been built on the very land that was once pagan and lost because the demonic man was now saved and he told everybody and people got saved. And the little G of the city was kicked out and the big God came in and he used the messenger who was once the demonic man of Gerasene and the city was saved. You go there today and there's excavated places right in Gerasenes and they attribute it to this man going back and telling his family that there's a God that loves you and he can give you hope and he can reverse the order of your life. Luke 4.18 says it this way. It tells us that Jesus came to set prisoners free. I don't know where you're at in this room, but here's what I do know. 
There are people in this room who are afraid to surrender to Jesus because they think their past is too ugly. They think that they've done too much wrong. They think that the addiction that they found, find themselves in right now needs to be cleaned up before they come to Jesus. Hear me. No, it doesn't. Jesus died for that addiction. Jesus died for your past. Jesus died for your present and your future. And he wants to radically cleanse you of all of that. And it begins with you receiving that from him. I would have loved to met this man. I would have loved to heard his story. I would have loved to sit with him as he began to unfold this encounter and how he now had new eyes and his countenance was changed all because Jesus placed value in the unvaluable. Jesus took the undesirable and gave him hope. That's the God that Grace Community Church worships. He's a good God. He's a God that can do the same for you. Let's pray. Father God, help us today. Help us in this moment, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand in a fresh way how much you love us. Oh, Lord, I pray also, God, some of us have been so radically changed by your presence in our lives and our story needs to be told, I pray, God, we would tell it. Lord, I also believe that there's people in this room and there's people in the link and there's people in South Bend, Mishawaka, and there's people listening on the internet that are hopeless and they're lonely. And the best option they think they have is to pull away and suicide thoughts run through their mind. Oh, Lord, help them to see that you love them so very much and you want to radically change their lives with the life-saving power of the gospel just like you did for many of us help them to see that this christmas season could be like none other where jesus becomes the lord and leader of their life and where hope replaces loneliness and love replaces hate and your present replaces people who are filled with depression help us god i don't know maybe maybe you're here today maybe you just happened to walk in and maybe and maybe too you've been here for a while and and you've been holding out listen to me the word of god says that today could be the day of salvation today could be the day that you surrender your life and all things are made new And you could walk through this Christmas season with a new bounce in your step because Jesus is there with you. If you're here today and you're uncertain and you're hopeless and maybe you think you're you're just, you have too much sin and you're wondering if God could love you, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. He could cause a storm to push a boat aside to save a man that everyone had given up on. He wants to do the same for you. Let me introduce to you my Savior, Jesus Christ. The Word of God tells us this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior and repent of our sin and ask him to forgive us of our sin and turn and walk in the opposite direction with Jesus, he saves our souls Let me just invite you to the greatest gift, the best decision you could ever make. Let me invite you to receive Jesus Christ. If that's you and you say, Jim, Pastor Jim, I need Jesus. I've been playing this game and I'm I'm not even saved. I'm hopeless and lonely and I don't know how I got in this service today, but I want Jesus. Pray this with me, please. Say, dear God, and Just pray it in your heart. Say, dear God, I need you. I've been doing this all by myself for too long. Please, God, forgive me of my sin. I want to be be set free. Set me free, Jesus. I confess it to you. I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. I surrender 
everything to you. And Jesus, from this day forward, I'll walk with you. Save me, Jesus. Save me. Thank you, Jesus, for the new life that you've given me. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I've said this last week, but when you talk about Jesus, how can you not extend an invitation to receive him? It's just too good. If, if you just prayed today, and you're in the link over there, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Rich are over there, and, and their eyes are, are, are over that place, and they're in that room. And, and, if, and if you're here in the main, and if you're in the link, would you just do this for me? If you just prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you said, today's the day of salvation. And I'm grateful that I get to walk with Jesus. Would you just raise your hand in the link, in the main? Would you just do that, please? Don't be ashamed. Just say, today, I gave my life to Christ. Today's the day of salvation for me. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? This is, this is the best decision you'll ever make on planet Earth. Don't be ashamed of it. Thank you, God. Lord, we're grateful that people today took the best step they've ever taken. Bar none. And Christians, you know it, don't you? Bar none. And God, I pray that your angelic ministering spirits would surround the north, south, east, and west of their, their body, their homes, their workplaces, their families. I pray, God, that they would walk in new freedom. I pray, God, that you would break chains of, of sin of the past. I pray, God, that there'd be a radical life change in any area in their life. And I pray that they would sense the presence and they would be like the man that was seated and he was dressed and in a right mind. God, thanks that the message that you gave 2,000 years ago is as good now as it was then. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you'll walk around these families and God, you'll put people into their life that can help them on this journey. And God, may their testimony be bold and may they be willing to share it with others. We love you, God. And God, we're grateful that you wanted to reach one man to save a city. And this one man did it. And God, we're grateful that we can come here today and worship you. And God, we want to acknowledge you as the God of this city, the God of the city that we live in, the God of the city that, that, that we work in. And God, we give it to you and may our witness be bold and may we reclaim the territory that the enemy has taken in Jesus' name, amen.